0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers, a podcast dedicated to those who have left religion behind and are now seeking to rebuild their lives through self-exploration, play, and spirituality. I, your host, Christina Carlson, am an embodiment and intuition coach. I work with Bitches, Witches, and Queers to discover their own worth and value and learn how to trust themselves to create the lives they want. I'm an experimenter by nature, so this podcast, like my life, is an offering in flux. What you find here will be diverse and hopefully interesting. One thing you can know for sure is that we will get good and curious here. Welcome. Hello, everyone. and Welcome to Bitches, Witches, and Queers. I'm here today with Cassie Moon. Hi, Cassie. Hello. Um, would you like to introduce yourself briefly? Tell us, well everyone else, who you are,
1: and briefly, like, what you do? Yeah, um, so I am a life and soul coach, and my kind of focus has a little bit evolved um, as I've done this work. I started out really just being all about authenticity and self-worth, and then the deeper I got into that, I've realized that everything comes back to self-connection, And I also work with people a lot um, in the LGBTQ community and um, with identity and coming out. And all of that just comes back to self-connection for me. So that's sort of where I've found myself lately is focusing a lot on really just either reconnecting to yourself or deepening your connection and relationship to yourself.
0: Amazing. Love that. I want to dive back into something we were talking about before we started recording, which is about um, binaries and binary Mm -hmm. ways of thinking. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on um, (laughs) when I'm just going to turn back around what you asked me a few minutes ago, which is uh, what are you, what are your feelings around uh, feminine and masculine energy? And when people talk about that, what does that mean or not mean to you?
1: Yeah, Um, I've noticed, I've, I've been hearing this like topic come up a lot lately. And I've noticed that every time I do like there's something in my body that's like, not like settled about just defining energy energy as really feminine or masculine. It feels like we were saying like too binary for what energy is and for the fullness of the human experience. Yeah. I, yeah, like I can understand like where the vibe is coming from with like feminine energy and masculine energy. And, and, um, I've even like described myself as, as really trying to embody like the best of both worlds and a blend of both. But that almost brings up, I think, like where it feels off to me is that mm-hmm. I definitely feel like there is. So much more space between and around that we just don't really talk about.
0: Hmm. yeah, one thousand percent. And I feel like, um, I feel I almost feel like it kind of needs to be taken out of that box. and mm-hmm. and I think it's like it's like when you say when you think of things in a binary, there's like, there's a couple ways of looking at it. It's like there's masculine and feminine energy. And then there's like a blend of the two energies. But like even a blend of the two energies is a blend of two separate energies. So, mm-hmm. like, what does it mean to take take gender out of that even that framework and just say mm-hmm. like your energy is like you? Yeah. So I'm curious, like, if because people use like people use masculine and feminine to describe a lot of things a lot of it is like um (laughs) colonistic and some of it is very like um supportive in that it's trying to define like something that's more structured or something that's more fluid and flows better um so I'm curious like if you've ever like played with like how you are thinking about your own energy like how would what is Cassie moon energy is it just Cassie moon energy or like Mm. is there another way you're describing how you're operating
1: it's interesting because um being a queer person in like queer relationships I have had this conversation with partners in the past about like more dominant energy Mm -hmm. um and this like idea that we just associate dominant energy with masculine energy mm-hmm. but when i am feeling more like dominant or just more i guess grounded in my confidence i don't like necessarily think of it as masculine energy i mm-hmm. almost think of that to me as like again this is another sort of buzzword term but like that divine feminine energy um mm-hmm. And so I almost I think that's part of where I take issue a little bit with like, traditional feminine, masculine energy and like how we define it, because even the structure versus flow, as a neurodivergent person, to me, my structure is the ability to flow, Mm -hmm. like the structure of my life functions when I have the flexibility to kind of like flow with my energy and with my how my brain is working that day Mm -hmm. um so yeah i guess i don't ever really think of myself in terms of like oh i'm in my masculine energy or i'm in my feminine energy i it really is just like oh i'm um yes but i think i think part of that is because i sort of buck the idea that that being like in more structured energy or in more confident energy or more dominant energy or the things that we typically associate as masculine don't necessarily feel masculine to me. Hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and what is like, I, I think there's like a, I don't know. I'm just like, what, what even is like, is masculine quote unquote supposed to be male? And if so, what defines a man? Right, Like that's another question. And, and if like feminine is supposed to be a woman, what defines a woman and Mm -hmm. where then does a person fall who isn't gendered? Since those things tend to, to similarly refer to gender just by the way they're named. So like, that's, I don't know. (laughs) And like, I, I don't know where the ideas of feminine and masculine energy came from. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, I would definitely be curious to know like what, what that is rooted in, if, if it's not rooted in like indigenous culture, if it's not rooted in ancient spirituality, which it might have roots in that. I don't know. Um, my my degree is in Christian theology, not (laughs) the whole study of God. Um, so I would be, I would be curious to know you know, like where that came from, because it doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to encompass the full experience of being
1: human. Yeah. I, I'd love to hear like your thoughts and how you experience like energy and those, those things, especially as a non-binary identifying human. Yeah. To share.
0: Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I don't really, I never, the word divine feminine makes me cringe
1: Mm.
0: um that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it um it's just it doesn't feel like me um and neither does masculine energy at least how I've heard it I am not like (laughs) I feel I feel like you like you it's like I'm Christina (laughs) like My energy is very Christina. If you know me, you know that it's Christina. And there is like, there is some structure and some madness and some flow. And it's not one or the other. There's a structured flow sometimes. Like there's, it's just, it's not as definable or specific to one side or the other so like I haven't really like I know some people find a lot of benefit to looking at things that way but I have not found um I have not really resonated with those courses or spaces which are specifically speaking to or talking to a a energy system that operates in that way
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because it just doesn't feel like it's speaking to me
1: yes This is reminding me of a, a video I did a, a while back on TikTok about, like, if we all gave ourselves permission to be like, more open to the idea of queerness or anything outside of the binary, I believe a lot more people would recognize that they fall somewhere on a spectrum of queerness or outside the binary of, of gender and yeah I think there's so much that to me comes back to that like permission that idea of like allowing yourself to exist as Christina as Cassie like as your own individual instead of like subscribing to these boxes we've our culture has created for us
0: yeah Can you tell me about what that's been like for you to like allow yourself space to start existing out of the stuff that was handed
1: to you? Oh my gosh. Um, I could probably write a novel on that. Um, Please do. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think I I grew up Catholic and um, very much in like a traditional white middle class Catholic family um and probably until college just very much fell into the like this is what I'm supposed to do this is how I'm supposed to be I just want to be a good girl um and it wasn't until I got to college and actually started understanding myself a little bit and more about my upbringing my degrees in psychology so I kind of by default dived a little bit into um The foundation of all of that and Mm -hmm. even still it took me like a full other a full other decade to really get to a place where I felt like I could completely dismantle all of those rules and what I like to say is the programming that we're raised with and it really took like peeling back all of those layers like the layers of what it meant to be good and the layers of what it meant to like essentially perform my roles um in life and like just wanting to be a good wife and a good daughter and a good friend and like peeling back all of that Mm. to really understand that like I'm a whole imperfect human who gets to actually exist as all of who I am and not just allow the world to see like the like perfectionized version I guess mm. yeah I I think the last few years especially as I um fully came out I was out as bisexual for many years and married to a man and then came out as fully gay and um that separated and divorced and Through all of that and the healing of it all have I think just all of any like layers that were still there still kind of like sitting on top of my shoulders oppressing me I've just like shed them all I've just like shrugged them off and it's now it's just like I refuse to do anything or be anything that doesn't feel real and whole and authentic and
0: Mm. just true how does it feel
1: to be you right now in some ways it's lighter and in some ways it's heavier
0: Mm.
1: it's lighter in the sense of not carrying the weight of all of those like expectations and feeling obligated to perform anymore um and it's it's heavier in the sense that when you live like truly committed to like being in alignment with your core values and being in alignment with like your whole self. There's a lot of friction that can come up with people who aren't ready for that.
0: Mm. How do you keep yourself grounded?
1: Or do you? (laughs) Probably depends on what day you ask. (laughs) Um, Mostly I... Right now, what I'm what I mostly use is like the biggest thing to keep myself grounded in who I am is remembering who I used to be and almost feeling like I owe it to her. Uh, she had to live through so much because of what she like subscribed to or allowed herself to to fall into and, You know, like, when we think about in our child and in our teenager and even in our 20-something and the grief I think a lot of us experience as adults when we think back on those times. I feel like my way of healing that grief and staying grounded in, like, the wholeness of myself now is just remembering that I didn't always have that. And... She deserved better, and I get to live that better for her now. Hmm.
0: It was interesting when you were talking earlier, and you said you were raised Catholic. I like saw you as you are now in a Catholic church, and I like <laughs> wanted to laugh. I was like does not compute. <laughs> yep. I'm curious if you've had the chance, like, um, sometimes we get these like opportunities in life to like go to like step back into like a part of your life, not like in your life life, but like a space where you used to exist in one form of yourself. I'm curious if you've had the chance to step back in some of those places as the the liberated person you are now and what that's been like.
1: Yeah, um, I actually had one of those opportunities recently. Um, my younger sister is 11 years younger than me and she's currently at the college that I went to which was um a Baptist university in small town North Carolina. Um the the college is the town. And uh I went back to support her in an event that she was a part of. And it like brought me back to like who I was in college and so much of the experiences I had then and even ways of thinking and it was wild like almost like looking at like a past life um it mm-hmm. feels very distant almost um i mean it's over a decade ago so i guess it is pretty distant but um it's almost like looking at it through like a not quite crystal clear thing like some kind of fog of of memory i guess that's like was that really who i was and mm-hmm. wow the the struck by like the difference Mm. of who I am now. Mm. It's a gift to be able to see that. Yeah, yeah, definitely brings up a lot of gratitude. Um, because when you're like in the work and you're like in the process of dismantling all of that, it can feel pretty fucking awful. But, getting to like, recognize just how far you've come through that process is pretty magical. Mm.
0: Yeah, what would you offer or what you know, what do you offer your younger self when you're in those spaces thinking about your past self?
1: <clears throat> mm. That question makes me a little emotional. Hmm. Just a lot of love. Hmm. Yeah. A lot of um, seeing her for who she was and for who she wasn't Hmm. allowed to, or didn't think she was allowed to be then. Um, Yeah. I think so much of that self felt like, her real, her real self wasn't, like, good enough to be seen or didn't fit well enough into what she was supposed to be to be seen. Um, and I spent a lot of time, yeah, just feeling, like, unseen, I guess. And so, just, I guess, retrospectively witnessing her... Um, yeah, and just a lot of love
0: yeah ah oh, just like soaking in the energy of like who you are now being able to offer yourself that perspective and love It's it's like the entire system that we were born into was trying to put a bunch of like comets into a box like we were never going to be contained by what they were trying to contain us with. We were never going to be contained Mm -hmm. by anything. We were meant to just like blow things up. It was trying to bottle that and us trying to do that because of love for the people who were caring for us. Yeah, But like, we're literally meant to just explode in rainbows and glitter across the sky. (laughs) Like, yeah you baby you're a firework
1: like Mm -hmm. we weren't we weren't
0: we weren't ever gonna stay there yeah
1: yeah i like that visual of just like exploding out of the boxes we were put into full of like rainbow and glitter and they
0: were like (laughs) little christmas presents and just (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's amazing so that you mentioned earlier that you your clientele and the people that you desire to work with are queer mm-hmm. um you know like us and I'm curious um within that framework what it what is it that you're super passionate about um extending serving sharing
1: saying yeah um A part of it, I think, is wanting to be a support that I wish I had had Um, Mm -hmm. when I was going through the process of fully coming out and coming to terms with my identity. I knew that other people had done that and were doing that, but I felt very isolated in that experience at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, The year that it all culminated also happened to be 2020, where we were all very isolated, um mm. so that, that didn't help but i think a, a part of it is wanting to be able to offer a support that i wish i'd had and having experienced how it feels to be on the other side of going through um that process it it was like there was a ton of grief involved for me and i know it's not that way for everybody um everyone's experience with it is wildly different. Um, But I think going through all of that and coming out on the other side and finally feeling safe and at home in my own skin, Mm -hmm. I want to support others to reach that place. Mm -hmm. And so often when I talk to people at the beginning of a coaching series or even like a one-time session and what they hope to get out of it, there's so much like a fear and resistance to the idea that it is safe to be themselves because it hasn't been for so long Mm -hmm. and I feel like having been through it I can feel really grounded in holding that space for them Mm -hmm. and I feel so strongly in awareness being a gift and a part of our magic Mm -hmm. um, and a part of what just yeah makes us makes us magic and I just want everybody to see that I want every queer person to get to know how fucking magical they are and I want everybody to get to experience feeling like safe in themselves. And so many queer people don't get that. Um, Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's really beautiful. There is a, there is like a a lived reality that it is often externally not safe Mm -hmm. to be who we are. And that can come from certain environments, from our entire country, from um, families. And that's a real lived bodily experience. That being said, there is is a way of relearning and creating safety within your own system Mm -hmm. so that the threats are external and not internal. And that is, that is profound work to do.
1: It is. Yeah, there's uh, a huge amount of like compulsive heterosexuality, heteronormativity, and um, internalized homophobia that I feel like even within the community, we just don't talk about as much as I think it weighs on so many of us. Yeah. And really, like identifying it, being willing to name it, and then actually dismantling it like is a huge at least I've experienced it as a huge part of my own like healing, yeah, within my identity,
0: yeah, what's it like in North Carolina? <laughs>
1: <sighs> um. I am a little bit like isolated from all of North Carolina because I live in Raleigh, which is one of the only uh, um, more blue. I don't even know that I would fully call it blue. Um, <laughs> but cities within the state um, and then election time rolls around and I remember that I live in a red state. Um, <laughs> but thankfully, I've been lucky i guess in that i haven't had any personally negative experiences um i also because a part of like when i was coming out was like during pandemic time and have been very much in a healing bubble since then haven't um been like outwardly gay in public very often in raleigh so um i i can't fully speak to how it how it is here (laughs)
0: yeah that's understandable I found like in in because like I'm in Missouri slash Kansas like where you know city crosses the border um so there's like it is a big city so there is some safety in the city and some um But it just, it depends and there's pockets of people everywhere, but it's like a, if you're like seeking that kind of safety, you have to be really intentional about finding people. Cause I started just like going to parties and like random things and just like telling people, you know, that I do a podcast and it's called bitches, witches, and queers. And depending on how they look at me is like how I know how to proceed from there. Yes, (laughs) But it's like you have to you kind of have to be intentional about like creating your own community or a space
1: mm-hmm. I do also find that depending on where I'm going um and the people I think I'll be around I cater a little bit how I dress mm-hmm. I will um because I am like more fun presenting I feel like I can pass very easily um for not being queer and I don't you know always love that but in in a space like the south um I will occasionally just be like oh nope this let's let's leave the rainbow bracelet and the rainbow shoelaces and everything at home and yeah. just out of a sense of not even wanting to invite the possibility yeah and I hate that that's even a reality because I don't I don't love the idea of like allowing anybody else to impact the way i show up in the world and yet the reality of safety like physical safety is that sometimes yeah. that still needs to be a thought
0: yeah i i really i find it like incredibly important to validate that experience like if you like because there fucking self-help culture has this (laughs) you're people pleasing if you change whatever it's like or you're just surviving okay like people pleasing is a trauma response you often don't control it because it's a trauma response like it's a response to danger right like current or past that's what it is so if you are like shifting what you're sharing of who you are It doesn't mean you are losing a part of who you are. It's fucked up that that might have to happen. And it's not, you're not to blame. Like your safety and how you feel and how you need to keep yourself safe is the most important thing. And if that Mm -hmm. means that you don't feel like you're able to do that in that space, that's that's 1000% fine. And I know that that is, that is in some ways a privilege obviously like you said Mm. more femme presenting does create and i got some feelings about the word presenting because that's Mm. stolen from yeah that's not the right phrasing i need to figure out what the right phrasing is there but there is privilege in in being able to hide your Mm -hmm. identity um And I also think that if you're, you're able to, and you don't feel safe to express, I'm, I'm not going to be one to pass judgment on that. Just like anyone, like keeping themselves safe, if there's something you have to, to to do to keep yourself safe, like, don't go there at night. Like, it's stupid that you have to do that. And it's not fair. And also, like, I want you alive and safe and not hurt, you know?
1: yeah we don't all have to be
0: heroes and we don't all have to to be in that position to prove a point Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah and I in in the work the authenticity work that I've done I I do like to encourage people to understand that not everybody has to always be be entitled to your full self either Mm -hmm. that like the for myself the way I experience this like being my most authentic self and my truest self and embracing my whole self doesn't always mean showing up that way in certain spaces not because I'm not confident in, in being able to in myself but because in certain spaces I either like don't want to invite the possibility of confrontation for my own sake and my own safety Mm -hmm. even if that's emotional safety um or just you know certain spaces don't always like deserve access to all of you
0: yes yeah for real that's that's so true and not everyone does either like it's not that's I think there's like the there's like the self-help deal around authenticity was like bring 100% and show everything and be like 1000% vulnerable and like share all your shit all over the place like that's actually not authentic or vulnerable that's like can be really damaging for you and the people you're talking to there there is a a relationship dynamic a, a learned way of existing in relationship where you you find people who you actually can be safe with Mm -hmm. and you choose to invite those people in. not everyone deserves that access to you, you know? Yeah. And you owe it to no one. It's, it's a matter of like you're building trust with someone to like actually bring people in, in a safe way into your space. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I think, um, touching on what you just said with like the the self-help kind of version of authenticity like bring your whole self um show up 100 i I think we like or that kind of projects it as this like very like external thing and i think it's way more of an internal thing like the authenticity Mm -hmm. work that i do is like how comfortable do you feel in yourself like how much are you accepting of your whole self like where are you passing judgment on yourself and where can you be more self-compassionate like Mm -hmm. it's it's much more internal and and being able to have that like discernment when you are showing up in spaces like for yourself versus like the the external like projection of of yourself I guess
0: yeah which is which is coming home to you like because if you are if you are practicing being aware of that being in touch with that then then what you do share is going to be authentic because it mm-hmm. is going to feel like the right time like the right way like not the right way but it's going to feel doable for you and won't yeah. feel like awful <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah hopefully. <laughs> if, if it does, you know, talk to Cassie, that's her degree in psychology.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's, I think there is some level of vulnerability that like, especially if it's, it's if it's a new experience for you, if you're not, um, practiced in it, that can always feel a little bit awful. Um, I'm super practiced in it and I still sometimes feel awful. Um, but I think there's like a difference in the, in what the awful is like, Yes. that also goes back to self-connection and listening to yourself of like does it feel awful because it's a it's vulnerability is a little bit scary and a little bit uncomfortable or does it feel awful because I, I it doesn't feel like an authentic it doesn't feel like it was an authentic like expression mm. for that space
0: yeah and I feel like that is deeply connected to the internal resonance of what you experience because like if it if it feels like awful but you're leaning in like awful but I, I i want this or like awful lean back and then you feel like you're dragged towards it like there that energetic difference of like i like leaned in ah, i'm gonna jump you know <laughs> like that feeling of like but you really want to do it you really want what's on the other side that's like a positive miserable and i'll meet you there <laughs> but the the other side where it feels extracted or like uh, from the energy of should or required or an external pulling on you mm-hmm. is usually, at least for me, how I know that it's not in line.
1: Yes, I love the way that you describe that. It's like a leaning in or like a leaning yeah. back away. Yeah,
0: yeah. I feel like that is a is an energetic that I understand a lot cleaner. Yeah. Tell me, um, before we go, I'd love to hear what it is that you're working on now. If you have anything that you want to share. Um, yeah.
1: Hmm. Um, I have a couple of different projects that I'm working on. Um, one is going to be around like the new year. Um, I kind of hate new year's resolutions, but I love the new year. Um, I don't love New Year's resolutions because I think uh, the short version is because I I feel like we create them most often from a place of negativity or a place mm-hmm. of lack um or even a place of like punishing ourselves uh mm-hmm. versus from a place of like really being self supportive uh, which is also probably why they only last a few weeks um but I love the energy of like a fresh start at the new year so I am um creating something around like that energy and reconnecting with yourself around the new year. And then I'm also working on a workshop. Um, this has kind of been like a slow, a slow put together. Um, so I'm kind of just, I don't have a timeline for it. It's its more of like a, I don't know, I'm allowing it to unfold as it will, but it's a workshop specifically for um, queer folks. Um And it's called how to fearlessly talk to women Um, because there's like a whole, I don't know if it's a stereotype, but there's a whole conversation in the Willow community, like women loving women um, who just say like, we can't, we can't talk to other women. They're too scary. They're too intimidating. And I think we as a community, think about it as like a, oh, it's a them, like they're so intimidating. But I think of it as like, actually, that's like an internal, like uh, confidence worth, like how how well can you weather a rejection uh, kind of thing. And so the whole concept of it is this like, oh, you want to be able to like fearlessly interact with other queer folks great, this is all the work that we're gonna do internally to make that happen. Um, so it literally goes through um, all of kind of the roadblocks that I see within the queer community. It tackles like the compact internalized homophobia that we talked about earlier. Uh, it talks about like the stories that we have around ourselves and how we like are in like relation with others. Um, and then, like, really just grounding into your own worth and, like, belief in self so that it's not such a big, scary thing. Um, because that's amazing. Because, you know, rejection is not the worst thing that can happen, even if it feels like it in the moment. Mm. So that's my big project. This kind of, like, my little, I don't know, baby right now. <laughs>
0: I love it. That sounds amazing.
1: Yeah, I'm excited.
0: Thank you for sharing.
1: Yeah, thanks for asking.
0: Yeah, and thank you for coming on today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been um, a really beautiful conversation, and I appreciate all of your questions and just the way that you approach these topics. It's been great.
0: Thank you. Thanks for asking questions, Beth.
1: Yeah, I had like so many more questions in my head, but I wasn't sure how many questions I could ask you back. But I <laughs> you love you. Always your ask me questions. Too. <laughs> okay, perfect. We should do another one where I interview you the whole time. Mm, yes.
0: <laughs> Thank you all for joining me today. If you are wanting one-on-one support to help you step into trusting yourself, seeing your own magic, and building the life that you want, you can contact me on my website. The website is below in the show notes. I hope you all have a bitchin' day.